I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And welcome to our listener feedback show. Now, the book that we read this month was Dune Messiah, but of course, you can leave feedback about whatever you want in the Dune universe. Call us out on things, talk about future books, past books, whatever you'd like. We're glad to talk about it. Yep. Now, if you want to take part in the conversation, there are several ways that you can do that. You can email us at dunesockerpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at dunesockerpodcast. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dunesockerpodcast. There is also our voicemail where you can call and leave a message. And the number for that is 1260-577-CHAT. That's 1260-577-2428. You can also take part in the discussion by joining our chat room. Which currently is suggesting our next poll, your favorite instrument, and all the answers would be the lute. (laughs) (laughs) That might have to be it. (laughs) There you go, lute, lute, lute. Which instrument would you play from doing lute, 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 bow set lute? Yep, and, uh, and you can find uh, you can find out when we'll be live on DuneSagaPodcast.com. We have a little calendar there on the side as to where you can join our chat conversations. Yep, and on the site. So. Take part in the show. Uh, uh, we we do have an app, by the way, that has all this information in. Um, so you can download episodes, you can call in, you can send emails from the app, and we will take it and use it. Yeah. Uh, before we go, go get into things, I'll just remind you about our Patreon campaign. If you enjoy the show and would like to help uh, support us continuing to do what we do, there's a site called Patreon, and that's uh, developed just for that reason. You can become a monthly subscriber uh, if you think the show is worth a dollar a month. Great. Thank you very much. That's, that's a dollar a month that, uh, would help us continue to do what we're doing. There are different rewards levels set up for different amounts, uh, that you might want to give per month if you decide to do it, uh, such as bonus behind the scenes stuff, being a, uh, a guest on the show, famous loot lessons from the crazy ballad man, Jim himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's an easy $1,000 an episode, I think. Yes. Several yeah. people woot, are probably going to go woot. with that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want loot lessons? Yeah. So, patreon.com slash Dune Podcast or follow any of the links for it on our website. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jim, why don't you get us started tonight here on uh, our listener feedback? Actually, aren't we doing that poll first? You really don't want to oh do the. Goodness. You really don't want to do the poll you know, tonight. If if Roland would have just reminded me, right? He is our guild navigator, yeah, after all. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> he's supposed to helping us. He's supposed to help us navigate the podcast because we obviously can't. I know. Do it tonight. He needs to guide us like uh, the sisterhood in the breeding program. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Riding the wave of historical time. And- <laughs> You know, hmm. coughing out the Kuzat Haderach. Yeah. Um, so the poll question for this week was, which is your favorite actor, character, combination from the 1984 Dune feature film? Uh, and so who do you think, without looking, won this poll? David, let's go to you first. Okay. I think that best actor, character combo, is probably going to be Sting. Okay. Jim, how about you? Um, gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would probably say Patrick Stewart as Gurney. All right. So number one vote, hands down, with 33% of the vote, we had 78 people vote, 33% of the vote, Patrick Stewart and Gurney Hallett. So you were right. You were right. Coming in a far, far, far second was... Francesca and Nias is Lady Jessica. Okay. And uh, third place with 12% of the vote was Kyle McLaughlin as Paul Trades. They felt like he portrayed him very well. Uh, my vote was Piddly. I did vote for Sting. I thought that Sting and Fade Rautha, that was my vote, but didn't yeah. get very many. Didn't get very many. I did vote for Gurney. I, did vote for Gurney. I, I thought that Sting would, would win. Yep. Oh. Yep. There are. I voted, uh, I voted for. I voted for Jurgen Proknov as Leto. Mm. Jurgen Proknov. Yeah, you are a fan of his. That's right. Yes. Uh, is he even here? He has to be here. He's there somewhere. Oh, yeah. So he got nine, he got nine percent of the vote. So, but, um, Beast Raban didn't get any votes. Oh. And Stilgar, no votes. Princess Irlan, no votes. So, wow. Duncan Haido and Wellington Yui all got one vote. So. So, yeah, so that's kind of it. And we will have a new poll up. And do we know what that's going to be besides loot, 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 loot? <laughs> it's uh, it's actually loot or set, <laughs> which is the right one. Um, yeah, I believe you've got that open. I have that in front of me. So you'll have to. So do we have it? Do you have the new new yeah. one up already? Uh, it's not up already, but it's in the, we have an email containing the new. Oh, we do. Question. Okay. So uh, new question will be on. And what is it? It's an oh, discussion question. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. So the discussion question, I think, for the next week will be, in a quest to take over the universe, which would you rather be the head of? Religion, military, or government? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Is there there like a D, none of the above? None of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't even know where I would stand on that. You know where you're going to go, Scott? Not yet, but hey, we'll find out when I vote yeah, and the next true. time we record. That's true. So uh, you can find the poll, of course, on any of the posts. Yep, absolutely. On, on dunesagapodcast.com. Well, we do have to get into feedback. And Jim, why don't you take us into the first bit of, bit of feedback that we got? Okay. Uh, we got one from Rebecca Bueller on the Dune miniseries. And she very simply says, I disagree about Chani. Sean Young forever. Okay. I think that's and, uh, in reference to we were talking about uh, who we preferred as who. And uh, I was saying the other Cheney. So. She is entitled to her opinion. I'm still yeah. I'm still voting for uh, Cheney yeah. in uh, the, the uh, Mini-series. Dude miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went that direction too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Rebecca, we love you. Thank you so much for uh, 
writing and giving us your thoughts on that. So. Yeah. So Max Nolan comments uh, for the Dune miniseries. He says, hello again, guys. I've uh, been enjoying the podcast today. I'm glad to hear other people's thoughts about the sci-fi miniseries. Since it was my introdu- introduction at- to Dune as a kid, it definitely holds a lot of nostalgia for me. I figured I'd send you a link to a big Dune character montage that I recently finished up. Took quite a long time. I've got just about every important character from the original book in it. And uh, we did post this on Facebook. So uh, if you head over to facebook.com slash Dune Saga Podcast, you can see Max's uh, montage of characters. That's awesome. Awesome. And it looks good. Yeah. I think yeah, I must have yeah. missed it in the line. People. Yeah. So. He, he, we've uh, shown some stuff of his before. He uh, likes to draw a lot of Dune stuff. Oh, yeah. That's right. We did. We do. We did. Well, you know, Max, thank you for writing in. And, uh, it was his introduction to Dune as a kid. Yeah. So that's that's good. Where is your Dune Saga podcast fan art? That's that's what that's, that's what I, exactly. I mean, I mean, come on. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> come on, Max. <laughs> uh, get in the dirt. Get in the dirt. Well, uh, Rick, uh, is it Tetralt? Am, am I pronouncing the right, name right? Tetralt, I think. I it Tetralt. Is so. Okay. So from Starbase sixty six, the podcast. If you have not listened to that podcast. You really should be. But he uh, commented on the Dune miniseries, and he sent in a voicemail. So let me go ahead and fire that up, and hopefully uh, you folks can hear it, um, and we'll go from there. Greetings, gentlemen, Rick and or Marius from Starbase 66, calling in to tell you uh, about my views on the Dune miniseries and your show about the same. Uh, I rewatched the show earlier this week so I could listen to your show yesterday, and uh, I loved it as always. And uh, I agreed with you guys on a lot of points, uh, although I think you were a little more forgiving of the miniseries than I was. Um, but uh, as I, I think it was David said that this was his first exposure to Dune, and so he's got a, a soft spot in his heart for it. And I can buy that. Uh, I think overall the uh, the the miniseries stuck much closer to the book than the movie did, uh, for the most part. Uh, I even didn't mind them expanding Irulan's part. Uh, and, you know, they certainly made her character far more interesting than uh, than just a, uh, a a couple of quotes at the beginning of each chapter. Uh, I think that the actress that played Chani and the actor that played Baron Harkonnen were fantastic. Uh, I love the last 30 minutes of the thing. The Battle of Arakeen and the knife fight between Paul and Fade at the end were really, really well done. Uh, I love the costumes for the most part. The still suits were awesome. The armor, especially the Harkonnen armor, uh, which was obviously based on samurai armor, was really, really cool. Um, but uh, and, Oh, and it was great to see the, the Water of Life ceremony with the requisite orgy afterwards, although uh, I also got the much... Uh, lots of nudity version, and I, I, it, it, I understand why people why why they put nudity into films, and you know, part of me doesn't mind it at all. But it I, it didn't need to be there. It was it kind of cheapened things a little bit for me. There was no reason to to for people to be naked, other than hey, we can make people be naked. Um, anyway, uh, overall, though, I think the casting in general was terrible. Um, Paul was okay. Jessica was okay. Uh, William Hurt seemed bored through the whole thing. I know he's a fantastic actor. I know he can do a hell of a lot better. Uh, but it just he just really didn't see. He's totally phoning it in, in my opinion. Uh, Stilgar, while his performance was fine, the guy looked like 
you know, Murray from accounting. Stilgar should look like fucking Carl Drogo, not like a short, pudgy, balding, middle-aged dude. I don't know. I, I, I've never understood that. Even the first time I saw, I watched the miniseries when it was on, I never got that bit of casting. Um, it was great seeing Fenring there, although, uh, again, the, the, the actor uh, was kind of on the ugly side. Um Shaddam never really came across as regal to me either. I just, I just, he just seemed like he should be on a can of SpaghettiOs as opposed to ruler of the entire galaxy. Um, and I, I've got to disagree with you uh, guys in uh, on one point. I think the actor that played Gurney Halleck was absolutely abysmal. Uh, I think he he sounded like a, a high school actor trying to sound better than he is, and. I just I didn't believe a word that came out of his mouth. Just didn't didn't like him at all. Uh, for being four hours long, I think they glossed over way too much. There was no uh, no no development of the Bene Gesserit as as a uh, force to be reckoned with, other than just uh, you know women in strange costumes. Uh, the Gamjabar uh, test at the opening of the of the the show. There was no no weight to it whatsoever. I think that's the problem with the whole thing. There was no weight to it. They were moving so fast, nothing had any significance. Whereas in Lynch's Dune, everything, everything was way too significant. I think it went just the opposite in the miniseries, where everything was just glossed over. It just sort of happened. Uh, Like y'all were saying, if you haven't read the book, I think you'd be completely lost watching the miniseries. Um, I love the worms. The worms were awesome. Uh, the the design of them, the execution of them, especially for being a sci-fi production and being from 2000, I think the the, the effects hold up really well. Uh, I love the sets, um, but there was no development of the Fremen. There was no development of the Harkonnens. They were just evil for the sake of evil. Uh, the secret garden in Arakeen Palace was just open to the rest of the world. Uh there was no still suit discipline, as you all pointed out. Everybody, all the Fremen were, were just wearing normal clothes most of the time. Why the hell would Stilgar wear a green outfit on Arrakis? Uh, there's no green on Arrakis, so it would stand... Uh, I don't know. Um, also, why was Gurney... I mean, we know why Gurney believed Jessica was the traitor, but it wasn't shown in the show at all. So that whole scene had no significance or, or no meaning. Um so it, I'm kind of half and half. I, I wanted to hate it. I don't hate it quite as much, but it certainly it showed me that either my belief that Dune cannot be made into a, a decent film or miniseries is true, or it requires something on the scale of Game of Thrones to do it right. Uh, because there's so much minute detail, there's so much minutia. I mean, the, they didn't even really get into what the spice does to anyone other than Paul. Uh, and even then, it was pretty vague. And uh, so, anyway, that's my take on it. Love listening to your show. You guys are awesome as always. Uh, please keep up the great work. Love the interview with uh, with uh, uh, Brian Herbert. Sorry. Uh, and uh, looking forward to lots more. Thank you very much. And may Shai Hulu clear the path before you. Bye bye. Awesome. That was an awesome voicemail. Thanks a lot, Rick. <laughs> and so, and, and and well thought out comments. Really, really, really loved it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things he addressed. We we commented on the fact that the nudity seemed unnecessary, mm-hmm. but they were there were or- orgies in the book, and they, I think they were trying to capture that in their mind. And obviously, uh, boobage sells, I guess. And um, but it does. But I agree that in a movie like this, it is almost trite mm-hmm. to put something like that. At least in my opinion. 
I mean, they, I mean, they weren't on it when it aired on TV. Chances are, if you're buying this, it's because you saw it on TV. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on this, Jim? Yeah, I, you know, it it didn't need to be there, and um, uh, as you say, boobage sells. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So casting terrible for the most part. Yeah. So he was. He was anti uh, Leto's board. You have a pudgy Stilgar, uh, uh, a Paul that should be on the can of SpaghettiOs, and <laughs> a Gurney Hallett that um, is a high school actor, but he can play the lute. Yeah. That's what I put in my comment. <laughs> Jim was like, you turkey. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, what, what do you think of his comments here about, I, about this, about the actors? Uh, being unable to really carry out the roles. I disagree. I love, uh, what's his name is Paul. Like he is Paul to me. He will always be Paul. And I think, let me put it this way. He becomes even more Paul to me in children too. Yeah. But he, but you see him here as Paul. He's my Paul. I think it's hard to look at this miniseries and not think about the performances in children of Dune, uh, for, for, for some of these things, specifically Paul and, uh, Cheney and, uh, Irlan. Um, I, I love Irlan in these films, and she's so pretty. Uh, <laughs> side note. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just one of those I, – I mean, I, I like uh, the guy who plays Gurney. He's not a good actor. A lot of the people aren't good actors. But I don't know. He just, like, was Gurney to me. He just kind of mm. – like, he he came off as powerful, yet he was a little pudgy, so he, he seemed, like, relaxed. He was yeah. kind of like that uncle figure that mm. – you didn't want to mess with, but he was still like the guy you wanted to pal around with. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy who plays Duncan in it, it's no good either. Um, Stilgar. I'll give yeah. you Stilgar. He's, he's no yeah. good. What do you think about what, what Matthias said in the, in the chat room that the, the orgy scenes are there because he couldn't afford clothes for the actors. It was low budget. <laughs> 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 so there you go. That's why we have the orgy scenes. Had enough money for here a lot. Oh, what did he hear in those? Scenes? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about his comment that it is impossible to bring Dune to the uh, small screen or big screen? Or do we? Uh, I almost am in agreement that it needs the Game of Thrones treatment. I'm going to agree with that as well. In order to really bring this back. I know. You know, I, I agree with you there. When we talked with uh, Brian, he mentioned there could be something in the pipelines, but who knows what it is. Right, right. There's always stuff in the pipelines, right? Yeah. What do you think, Jim? I I think uh, I agree with Rick on that point. It's going to yeah. really be difficult to make a decent film or miniseries uh, of Dune because it's so detailed and so uh involved okay however i do want to tell rick that i'm so disappointed that he didn't come to my defense on the loot issue <laughs> i really expected that he oh man rick you let him down uh, I would also like to mention, as far as Starbase 66 is concerned, I just listened to their most recent episode the other day, and uh, this is going to be their last season uh, for the Starbase. Uh, that'll be seven years worth of Starbase 66. Wow. Uh, and they're going to put it to sleep and 
Hopefully there's other projects because I really enjoy listening to those guys. Oh, wow. Well, Seven uh, years of been podcasting. That's a long time. When I when yes. I shut down my show, the Lancaster, after five years, it wasn't an easy thing to let go of. So I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're going through some difficulty with that, Rick. So yeah. good luck. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out Starbase 66, make sure you check them out. It's uh, Rick's show and uh, other people that are involved in that. We've been on that show, but mm-hmm. um, so go ahead and listen to us there. But listen to many of the other the other episodes they uh, have mm-hmm. and as the things they talk about. Well, Jim, why don't you take us into this next uh, email? Now, now I'll warn you, Jim, because I put this uh, walkthrough together. This is a long email, so whenever you feel like you've reached a point where you want to talk about something, well, you have it broken break. down into points. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to read like a, like number one and then us talk about it, or how do you want us to do that? Well, I thought. Well, this is how he wrote it. Okay. So we could. Okay. You could stop. Some of the points aren't necessarily. Um. Oh, discussion. Yeah. So if there's, I guess, maybe a point that you feel is discussion, we can stop after that point, Jim. Yeah. Your discretion. No, I'll I'll just check with you guys after each one. Okay. Okay. It says, Bill on Dune in general, dear Dune Saga podcast, cast, and crew, please share my email below on your podcast if you wish. Please tell me if the five attachments do not come through. Number one, thanks for having a podcast about the Dune Saga. I'm not a very big fan, but I recently watched the final cut of the movie Blade Runner, and I was thinking about what other interesting sci-fi movies there were from the 1980s, and I remembered the 1984 Dune movie. Lately, when a movie or other media work strikes me as interesting, and I'd like to know more about it than Wikipedia can give me factually, I search for podcasts on it, so that really is how I found your podcast. I haven't listened to every episode, but I really enjoy what you guys do. Any discussion on that? Well, the the easiest discussion here is thank you. Thanks for finding us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for writing in for being a new listener. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, and came to us through Blade Runner. That's awesome. (laughs) Right. Okay, number two, my brother and his best friend did a 10th grade English project on the first novel years ago. I remember that to give interaction, excuse me, I remember that to give interaction in their book presentation, they passed out a drink to the class. I think it was coffee. That included cinnamon to give them a taste of melange. They had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> so that sounds like it'd be kind of neat. Yeah. So take, you know, Scott's writing down okay. notes here, I think from when he teaches about doing Eventually. No, I'm chatting in the chat room. No, you're taking notes. I know. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Number three. I am presently halfway through the semi-full cast audiobook of the first novel, Dune. It is neat so far. I wasn't sure what you guys were talking about in that one episode where you said the voices kept switching. Now I know what you mean. To clarify for everyone who isn't clear... The audio production toggles between segments with a single narrator reading all the roles and segments with a narrator plus a full cast with ambient music and sound effects. If you guys said that on that episode, I must not remember, because I probably chose to disbelieve that someone would produce an audiobook in such a strange way. Nevertheless, they did. Strangely, this wasn't the first time Dune, the novel, was produced as an unabridged audiobook. 
The first unabridged edition had Scott Brick as the single narrator. The semi-full cast unabridged edition has Simon Vance as the narrator. Scott Brick was one of the character voices in the semi-full cast edition. Given that they were talking the, or excuse me, given that they were taking the effort to produce a sound, a second unabridged version, I don't know why then they didn't do the whole thing the right way. Given an exclusive choice, I say having a semi-full cast with ambient sound effects and music is far better than having a single narrator for the entire book. But the toggling is definitely distracting to me at least. During each single narrator segment, I keep looking forward to the next full cast back in the next segment and wondering when that next segment will begin. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't listen to the audiobooks. So that's. I listened days. to the audio. I listened. Did you listen to the Dune audiobook, Jim? Yes, quite a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, I, I'm with him in this. This this whole single narrator to full cast, and it didn't make it hard to follow. And I, I liked it. I I personally like when Scott Brick narrates the whole dang thing. He has a great voice. Um. And I've and I'm ready for us to get back into like Winds of Dune, where I'll be hearing just his voice narrating Winds of Dune, um, because I kind of missed that in Children and missed that in Dune itself. Now he is one of the voices. I wasn't aware that there was an unabridged version with just Scott Brick uh, sure. of it. It's uh, or did with some other guy with uh, Simon Vance. Well, that that is the one. That is the one that has the. Oh, I'm sorry. Multi voices. I got that confused. Yeah, so that's the one with the multi voices. But apparently, he's saying that there's a version that Scott Brick just put out. Wow. Um, that'd be the version I prefer to listen to because I don't necessarily enjoy uh, all the multi voices in it for some reason. That just doesn't hit me. So I think I would find but, that distracting. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, I, I I'm so not seeing I any read... version. I would love if you hey, if you can send it in. I would love to hear. I would love to see a link where you have that. Scott Brick didn't narrate it because I'd like to see if I can go find that somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, I read I read the Dune book previously, and I didn't find I did have the the version that he's talking about as being distracting, and I didn't find myself distracted. Yeah. Uh, I guess because I already knew the story. Hmm. Well, and it's it's so. I mean the story is compelling. It was I wouldn't have said that it's like oh we're going here again. It's going to keep me from enjoying the book. It didn't, but it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice it, you know, and, and I guess when I'm hearing narrators, I kind of expect them to kind of bleed into the background and my focus really should be the story. But, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but okay. anyways, that's my thoughts on it. Moving right along. Yeah. Number four, here's a tip for you and your listeners here in Michigan. We have a statewide library system via the internet, the Michigan e-library exchange at www.mel.org where library cardholders can search the catalogs of all of the associated libraries and can many times request an item from a far-off library. The item is then delivered to their home library, and then they receive an email notice to pick it up. Listeners of your podcast may find a similar system in their state if they wish to check out the Dune Saga paper books, audiobooks, movie, or miniseries. There is also... Overdrive, which is a service that libraries subscribe to more or less by county. 
and you can check out and download an audiobook right to your smartphone. Or if you don't have a smartphone, you download it to your computer and then load it onto your digital audio device. When the title expires, the fire files are automatically deleted. Since it varies by by con, uh, excuse me, since it varies by county, the available titles will also vary by county. Uh, I can tell you right here in Nebraska, we have uh, such a system. Um, I make uh, use of it for my daughter quite often. So oh, cool. our library does that. So we have we can we have it here where you can pull from all the other libraries, uh, but some of them are just starting to get the digital stuff. Yeah, in fact, I did just search. Lancaster Library does have Overdrive as well, the area that we're in, and they do have Dune. Oh, but cool. just just Dune, just Dune, just Dune. So none of the others, none of the titles. So cool, uh, cool. All right, so we move all on. All right, number five. Regarding computer games, there is a type of gaming video on YouTube called Let's Play, where the video maker records themselves playing and usually giving commentary a computer game. There are videos for at least several, if not all, of the Dune computer games. Fans may like to watch a few of them to get a feel of what each of the games were and are like if they can't find any to buy on eBay or etc. You know what I would be interested in seeing? I wasn't aware seeing? there were. Go ahead, Jim. I, I wasn't aware that there were Dune games. Oh, yeah. There's there's a couple Dune games out. Um, what I'd be interested in doing is watching to see not only how they play, but I'd be interested in seeing if they add to the story, flesh out the story, or just allow you to play a character within the story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually, this is something I've thought about. Cause I, I actually watch a lot of let's play videos. Um, it's like what I do instead of radio. Sometimes I just put them on in the background. Uh, I have been thinking about trying to contact some of the let's players that I like to see if they would want to play Dune or if, if I could find the games somewhere for them to play, I'll, I'll probably look up and see who's done it. And maybe see what's right. What's up with there, and then maybe if they'd want to talk mm-hmm. about it or whatever for us. So right, it'd be great to have maybe just a little vignette or a little short interview with them. Yeah, so, yeah. Since we probably won't review the games in the show. No, I don't so, think so. But, no. All right, uh, and going on number six. Penultimately, I ran across this next item last month in a box of things my brother gave me. See the attached files. And I in will nineteen ninety seven. Okay, in 1997, there was a Dune customizable card game, C, uh, CCG created. I don't know how successful it was, and we never played it. But because of the success of Magic the Gathering, nearly everyone was creating a CCG for their properties in the mid to late 1990s. And uh, he's, he did send pictures. Uh, pretty good pictures of it, um, and I will post them probably on Facebook. I would love, I would love to see those pictures. That's yeah. kind of cool. That is yeah. kind of cool. Okay. Uh, you pro- yeah, post them on our Facebook page. Uh, I do know that uh, Babylon Five had uh, game cards, and I just happened to have one that was uh, signed by the actor who played Londo Malari. That was kind of neat. Whoa. Okay. Uh, number seven. 
And lastly and finally, for my listener feedback to you, I found some outstanding Dune fan artwork on Deviant Art. You may find this the most interesting of all items I write to you about. Like the card game, I always see peripheral artwork for novels to be extremely helpful to me when imagining the characters and scenes. It helps me immerse myself in the story much more deeply. And he provides four links, which I will put in our... Uh, our show notes before we release the show. And it says, My favorite illustration by Demos Remus is Princess Irulan. I sort of regularly fall for the princess slash heroine in movies and novels, although whether that is justified for Irulan in the Dune universe, I can't say yet. May the spice be with you, Bill from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I would agree. Looking I, at the pictures, you know, Irlan's there. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I think I've seen these pictures posted somewhere before. If I'm not mistaken, mm. are they? Did they? Did he put these on our page, our Facebook? page? Uh, not that I know of. I don't know. I don't think these ones. We've seen that the Irlan ones. The the Irlan one, not. Yeah. But, uh, um, Max right. Nolan is one of the deviant artists that I've posted stuff. From so maybe you came across it from his things or something, but yeah. Thanks for writing, Bill. Yeah, that was no. a lot of a lot of cool things to talk about and neat angles and stuff that we haven't talked about mm-hmm. in listener feedback. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, mm-hmm. our next email comes from Luke Bowles. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, this is more of a somber email that he wrote us that uh, definitely meant a lot to me to, to get. Um, so uh, bear with me as we go through this one. Uh, I just wanted to set a quick note on how you three gentlemen, with your podcast, Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert, and Kevin G. Anderson, brought my father and I closer while he was dying of cancer. My father was a big reader. It helped him pass the lonely time he had on ship while he served in the Navy for 25 years. I, too, am a huge reader. Until the last few months, I believed my father only read books on history and politics. During one conversation, not long after we found that he only had a few months left, I mentioned that I was reading Dune. He lit up. He started telling me all that he loved about the Frank Herbert novels and asked if I had read the Brian Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books. I rolled my eyes and told him no. We had a good heart agreement over it, or we had a good heart argument over it. He then pulled up your podcast. And over the next few weeks, your podcast and my father convinced me to give the newer Dune novels a try. I was really surprised. My father and I started to read them together. We read and discussed the books together and listened to your podcast and debated amongst ourselves points you you three would bring up. Sadly, my father passed away a few weeks ago. It still feels unreal. But I not only want to, but I have to, thank all of you. Due to your podcast and all the Dune novels, my father and I grew even closer over the last few months of his life. It kept our mind off what we knew was going to happen, and I knew to understand I grew and I grew to understand my father more than I thought I ever would. I am now going to read the books in order with a new appreciation and fond memories of my dad. Thank you. Thank you so much. Luke Bowles. I don't know how you respond to that, because that's just um you know certainly feel honored to be a part in that whole process. And uh, I just think it's awesome that the books were a way for you and your father to grow closer together and to dialogue about topics and ideas that 
that it just opened up a conversation between the two of you. And I'm, I know I, for, for my part, I'm, I'm glad we could be a part of that. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, Jim, any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, Luke, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I'd like to say that it, it really humbles me to know that we actually do reach people in this way. And it, 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 gives a lot of meaning to what we're doing here yeah yeah and it, it's, it's something that uh, i don't hear that happening very many times in podcasting I and mean, we get certainly an enjoyment out of it and entertainment value but when it goes to that when it transcends to that level it's it's yeah. uh neat and I, I, you know what i just appreciate you being willing to share that yeah so, thank you we just want you to know that yeah, um, yeah. you definitely uh it touched us to know that that uh we could have been a part of your story. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on. Uh, so Scott, this is me, I guess, who's reading this email. That's why it says Scott at the top. Of the note. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm reading that. Uh, now, this is from Naomi on Doom Messiah and dear David, Scott and Jim. I just fi- finished reading Doom Messiah for such a short book. It took me a whole month to finish. Uh-oh. All the plotting and devious planning put me to sleep almost every night in September. It was, on- it was only until I reached about the halfway point that the story picked up and I was able to finish quickly. The lack of gruesome details on the death of Mohayim and Edric was disappointing. See, they wanted, they wanted Kevin J. Anderson and, uh, Brian Herbert writing this. They had more of the gruesomeness. Perhaps reading so many, uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books made me a little twisted for wanting detailed descriptions of how they were both put to an end. Um, I felt so invested in these, in those two characters, um, uh, who were usually the ones who put me to sleep. I wanted a firsthand account of how they died. This was the second time I read Dune Messiah. I forgot most of the storyline, but remembered that I enjoyed my first read very much. The parts I liked most was Duncan giving Aaliyah the kiss that she wanted and the love affair that began at the end of Dune Messiah. Another part I enjoyed, and we didn't talk about that love affair, by the way. Um, another part I enjoyed in the book was when the twins were held at knife point by Skytail. Paul remained composed to see through the baby Leto's eyes and kill Skytail while the face dancer was bargaining for Chinese flesh. Although Paul could have been confused because he didn't predict the birth of a boy and was communicating with his conscious child, he was able to approach Skytail with, with stealth and to sink his Chris knife into Skytail's skull through his eyeball. Executing that feat is a good example of Paul's expertise with the Bene Gesserit training, and that scene alone was worth all the effort I put into reading this book. Kind of agree with him there. I'm excited to go back to Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's book and read Winds of Dune. A reread of Children of Dune is welcoming, and I'm looking forward to finally finishing God Emperor. I started reading God Emperor of Dune a long time ago, but never finished because I was drawn into the House of Trades book and the Prelude series, and after reading House of Trades, I never had any desire to finish God Emperor. I'm sure I'll get through it so I can keep up with the podcast. Thanks for the inspiration, Naomi. P.S. I'd like to know more about your podcast opening theme music and the lovely voice that recites the litany. Right. So, uh, so let me, um, I guess quickly talk about that first. 
So the voice of the uh, opening is M. Sierra Garcia, who is a co-host for the Dune Saga podcast. So she voices that. And that is the main thing there. Um, I used the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. What did I say? You said Dune Saga podcast. Okay, I know. I'm sorry for the Sci-Fi Diner <laughs> podcast. Thank you for correcting She's me. She's a really silent host on the right, Dune right, Saga right. podcast. Which would, be unusual, which would be unusual for M. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. If you know M, she's not that silent. If you, li- if you want to hear more of M, go to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast and uh, listen to some episodes. You'll hear her as a co-host on our show. The music is from the Celestial Aeon Project, and if you go to the Dune Saga Podcast page, uh, dot com page, if you scroll down the sidebar, you will actually see a link to the uh, original music, unaltered, mm-hmm. and it's for, free. It is free, so you can download it for free. And uh, the, the the track is called um, "The Saga Begins" from the album Fable. Mm-hmm. So by the Celestial AM Project. So that's where those two things come from. Just to talk about that. Off the cuff. Let's go back into her email. What do you think about some of the things that she is saying here? I'd like to make a comment on the death of Mahayam Edric and uh, even Korba. Um, I, it had been so long, I remembered their, their deaths being worse. And I think it's only because I love Children of Doom, the miniseries, so much. So their imagination, Naomi. I don't know if you've seen the miniseries, but uh, Stilgar kills Mahayam with a Chris knife. He just walks in and kills her, uh, cuts her throat or something. Uh, a bunch of Fadaikin go to Edric and smash his uh, his bowl open so the gas leaks out. And he suffocates. Uh, they use uh, they use a prostitute to trick um, Korba to find out where he is, and they they. Put him in the. They distill him alive. That's right. They reclaim his water alive. Uh, Those are some pretty horrible deaths. Yeah, but they aren't really described. She's right. They aren't really described in the detail that Kevin J. Anderson. They just say that it happened. Yeah. In in this in the in in the book, they just say she took care of it after Paul walked away. In the movie, there's a beautiful song and montage where it's all happening (laughs) simultaneous and awesome. Yeah. So. What do you think about the uh, death of Skytail? It's a good scene. That is a good scene. It's a good scene. Yeah, Jim. we didn't talk about that. Uh, Jim? Jim? Um, uh, well, I've never seen Children of Dune, so I can't uh, comment to a lot of that. Uh, reading it in in the book, um, I get yeah, I guess it worked for me. Seemed a little far fetched, but. Uh, you know that I guess that's the nature of prescience, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Roland commented in the chat. Spoiler alert! But we're talking about Children of Dune. the The first two hours of the miniseries is Dune Messiah, so we're right. not we're not going into the actual Children of Dune storyline. Right, the, right. the the events we're talking about happen in Dune Messiah. In Dune Messiah, and they that's okay. the first the first quarter of the miniseries. Yeah. So. All right, Jim, why don't you go into Max Nolan on the Dune miniseries review? Okay, and Max says, nice review, guys. It's hard for me to judge the miniseries without the nostalgia factor. My favorite part of it, by far, is the casting for the Baron. I think that guy was flawless. (laughs) I gotta agree. I mean, the rhyming was dumb in the first one. Right. But uh, I I love him as, as... 
It's Baron. Baron. Yep, absolutely. I, I like that. I like the rhyming thing. It reminded me of Muhammad Ali. <laughs> That's right. You should say that. That's right. Yes. Float yeah. like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That's, That's Baron right. is going to knock you to your knees. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So now we have Jim, poet, lute player. It's great. Yeah. Uh, David, I, go I'm ahead. Renaissance man. I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, our next email is from Roland Smoker on Dune Messiah. Hi, David, Scott, and Jim. I enjoyed reading Dune Messiah immensely. However, I did not find it as poetic or epic as Dune. This was at first a disappointment to me, but I quickly came to realize that I feel this book fits much better with Kevin, with Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's books. My biggest complaint would be that that there were several times when I felt there was too much dialogue, especially towards the beginning of the book. My favorite aspect of this book is the transformation of, of hate to Duncan Idaho. Also, I appreciate Paul of Dune more after reading Dune Messiah. The references to the Tylexu, Quizak Haderach, and Dune Messiah had more of an impact knowing the specifics of that situation. I give Dune Messiah a 4 out of 5. That is something we didn't talk about. I felt that Dune Messiah was enriched by Paul of Dune. Yeah, very true. We got some background. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, small things that they just kind of mentioned in passing, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Even when they're talking about how big the Citadel is, like, I just kept thinking about the designs that oh, yeah, those, you saw the it kind of built. Yeah, had done. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what, any, any comments, uh, Jim, on this? Well, it was really neat to see that Roland and I are on the same page as far as the rating. Uh, yeah. Four out of five. You guys are two peas in a pot. <laughs> I heard Roland was yeah. taking up the loot. Yeah, that's right. He he's gonna well, probably he's a Renaissance you. man too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, this complaint that there was too much dialogue, man. When you read through, when we get to like the good reads, bad reviews, it's a common complaint. <laughs> yeah. Too much telling, not enough showing, not enough description of telling. I mean, so that that isn't that is an issue. That is an issue. <laughs> I would agree with it, but it, but he's with me on the transformation of hate to Duncan Idaho. One of my favorite parts of the book, of seeing that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then having Duncan back, that's that's a little creepy. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of at the beginning, it's kind of weird, but I kind of like it. I almost like this Duncan better than all the Duncan we've known in the past. Well, um, only. If you're for me, it's only if you take Duncan just from Dune. But if you take the Duncan we've gotten in the house books, I love Duncan in the house books. Well, that's true. Yeah, he is uh, phenomenal in the house books. What one of the things that bothers me about it is the the axolotl tanks, uh, <laughs> and and how Duncan came back to be. I mean, does anybody in in the Dune universe other than the Thylax? understand how that works no this is one of the things that i remember talking about that before is that um in frank herbert's books it's not till much much several books from now till we find out what they are right uh but brian herbert and kevin j anderson kind of give it away in the Uh, prequels right which destroys the the mystery right you, you wonder about you just at this point in time if you were reading you would just assume it was just some sort of tank Right. Um, and even, yeah. e- even in the miniseries, they just show it as a tank. Right. 
Right. I mean, yeah. the, the the very fact that they refer to women as tanks is just creepy to me anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, this is going to be one of those things where you're like, you'll be pining for the Brian Herbert, Kevin J. Anderson descriptions when we get to it. Right. Because <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not a, it's not a good description of what is going on there. Right. So. Right. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on. And thanks, Roland, for writing in. Scott Thompson, uh, wrote this to Jim, Scott, and David. I just started reading the original Dune series this year, and I'm currently reading God Emperor of Dune. And loving the audiobooks. I'm currently working on a cruise liner, so I feel isolated from the mainland and don't know anyone else who has read the book, so I'm really enjoying your great podcast episodes. The podcast isn't just a great companion to the series, but has helped enrich the stories for me. Well done. The only problem I have is, as I mentioned, I'm listening to the audiobooks. Over here in the UK, iTunes and Audible, the only original series and Paul of Dune are available. I really love to listen to the Legends and Prelude of Dune series especially after hearing your podcast. Oh, well, I guess I'll have to order the books. Bugger. Keep on the good work. And from Scott, all the way over the pond in England. So thanks, Scott, for writing in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and um, I'm sure that's just uh, copyright, audio copyright, yeah. and what's limited and not limited. There's always there's music that's available over here that's not there and vice versa. So I mean... There's always this special power of friendship internet thing that I keep hearing about, but I don't condone. Well, well, well you don't condone like peer-to-peer uh, peer sharing. Peer-to-peer sharing. Now where it's down. I'm just saying uh, it, it exists. Uh, BitTorrent. Uh, BitTorrent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that I would ever do that. Yeah, I've never seen witnessed it or anything uh, not that I would have watched some uh, video. Not that I download Downton Abbey. Uh, while it's airing in, in England or and Legend of Korra. Or Legend of Korra. Anyways, no, I appreciate you. And I'm glad that you're, we can be a companion to you on the cruise ship. We're, we're on a cruise. Did yeah. you guys know that? We're on a cruise. Oh, my goodness. I didn't really realize I was on vacation. I didn't right. tan. Right. <laughs> Obviously. Jim, yeah. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on what he said? Uh, I kind of blacked out there for on you for a couple of uh, a couple of minutes, so I didn't catch everything. Okay. So yeah. I, I I think I'll reserve any remarks. Okay, that's the problem. Well, that's uh, all right. That well, he's really just being distracted by Green Bay right now, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey man, twenty eight to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you have a reason to be distracted yeah. then. All right, uh, yeah. Jim. Why don't you go ahead with Joseph Fuller's uh, email on the Dune miniseries? Okay, Joseph says, uh, Sadly, I am playing catch-up, plus I am picking my shows. Laughing out loud, I am trying to reread and read the books. The miniseries I love for the start, I own both DVDs. I would call, but I can type more. Laugh out loud. I felt the miniseries was a lot closer to the books. The start of the movie and the end are the same or close to to the same as the books. I agree with some of your thoughts, and I disagree with some of your thoughts, too. Laugh out loud. I am one of those who likes both the sci-fi channel, I refuse to type that stupid spelling, (laughs) and Lynch's Dune. Yeah. Well... I want to applaud you for not typing S-Y-F-I. Well, you, don't like the, you don't like the Siffy channel? Siffy, Siffy channel? Yeah, the Syphilis channel? So that, they can, so that they can show more wrestling? 
Yes, that's right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, uh, I have a very specific definition of what is and isn't science fiction, and I don't want to open that can of worms again, but uh, <laughs> I think it's appropriate that they call themselves Siffy rather than sci-fi because a lot of what they show isn't sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, it, I, mean I get it. It's it's the new branding fits their their yeah. shows, but yeah, you lament the loss of the actual sci-fi channel when it was more sci-fi. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, next we have up Josh Stetz on the Dune miniseries. Love the miniseries so much better than the Lynch movie in my version. Uh, so much better than the Lynch version in my opinion. Better casting, better storytelling since, since yet had six hours to work with. Since, uh, since they had six hours to work with instead of two or three. And, I do even have to mention no weirding modules. Yes. <laughs> I really like how they did the blue within blue eyes. I think that uh, Scott and I are on board with you. I don't know about yeah. Jim, though. Uh, Rick definitely is not. No. 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 Yeah. You know, it's, uh, the, I, we, I think most of us would agree that we were happy that the weirding modules are not there. Yeah, for sure. So They had no place in it, no matter yeah. which version you're watching. Yeah. So. So. So, uh, Matthias, on this is regarding last month's poll. I wonder who chose Yui. Yeah, there was a couple people who chose Yui as a kid. I think there was like one person. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. Some probably someone who doesn't know what a loot is. <laughs> definitely, so, definitely, yeah. it has to be that. Yeah, it was the guy <laughs> who cast, who did the um, set design. Right, 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 for that movie. Right, right, right. So, okay, Jim. Okay, it says Paul Tate. On the themes of Dune. A, uh, opinion. It is a crucial look at how power corrupts even those who have been educated and prepared for leadership for years on end. The decision to make Dune about humans and not the Paul character was extraordinary. It did nonetheless make the 1965 Dune appear to be a warning. Frank Herbert displayed the dangers of power on those given it and as they can become corrupted as happened to Paul. I agree. Okay. With endless power and consequences can serve, uh, which is what makes Dune Messiah so impressive. Paul is ultimately doing what he thinks is best for humanity, while the other key groups like the Bene Gesserit are self-interested. It offers a reflection for human relations and go global politics. Is our system of democracy assumed ideal without thought? Paul's exile into the desert came after he had killed billions. Even the chosen can be tyrants. The ability to see into the future could not save lives. Paul's leaving was, to me, his apology to humanity. Currently reading Winds of Dune for the first time, I feel thus far that it is the best read after finishing the others, and not before children of Duke. Keep up the great work from Brazil. Awesome. Well, thanks for writing in. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I, I, I uh, can't wait to talk about Winds of Dune and see if I agree or disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. I do like the, uh, you know, Paul leaving was his apology to humanity. Mm. That's a great line. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that is too. I, 
I mean, I don't miss, I don't think I, I thought of it as that way as an apology is more as just like an escaped uh, like his way out. But well, can't both be true? Yeah, I think both, they can. Both, I think they yeah, can. Both can but be I just true. Of yeah. Uh, Alexander Blackburn on Jim's meme. Uh, if you missed it, uh, we posted it on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, great meme of Jim says, you guys really need to turn that photo into a t-shirt. So funny. And, uh, I think Jim is just waiting to bust out as this like internet sensation t-shirt guy. Yep. I see it in his yep. future. Definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, David, with you as my agent, I think that will happen. <laughs> yeah. it's just a matter of time that's right yeah. t-shirts i guess chat room and listeners would you buy a t-shirt if we put that on a t-shirt if we put, if a, we put jim's meme on a t-shirt yeah if you if you put it on if you're interested we'll go for that we can make it happen. i'd buy two or three of them yeah, there, 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 there you go there you go all right so gold cafe, right already gold cafe, already cafe press but. well you know we had uh, we, we had a little roll switch this this month where I feel like I might have given you an easy one. Usually I'm doing the bad reviews and pouring through the... There were plenty of bad reviews for this one. Yeah, which makes it too easy because they weren't just the same Kevin J. Anderson, Brian Herbert complaints. That's still in here, by the way. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. So. Well, this month Scott took up the bad reviews, so let's see what he has to say. All right. Um, so this first bad review, and I, I didn't just pull them from Goodreads. I pulled them okay. from a couple other places. Um but uh, the first one comes from a lady named Bel- Melissa, and is, she says this. This is a book with a sci-fi setting, but some of the plot may be borrowed from the ni- a 1960s soap opera. Family intrigues, pregnancies, overdoses, and who's plotting to kill who? There's also a lot of semi-philosophical debate about the motives and morals that no one seems to have good motives or any morals. And as commonly happens in books where no one has any ideas or character, ideals or character, the tone is very hopeless. I did notice that many of the time colors of clothing or rooms are described, and I see a Brady Bunch color scheme. A lot of green, gold, and orange. I was irritated at the lack of protagonists to cheer for and relate to. No one in this book is lovable. Herbert did paint on a rather epic canvas, multiple civilizations, planetary differences, and newborn religion, and an assassination plots. She gave it one star. Mm. So it wasn't totally trashing it, but not loving this book. Yeah, you know, I get that there's no straight protagonist to to, to rally behind. I'm going to say in defense of the book, I think that's the point. Yeah. That, that, That Frank was trying to get across. There is no clear... Good person yeah. in in this mistake of a of a path. Yeah. So, Roger writes, yeah, one star review. Since Dune is my favorite book, you might think that the second book of Dune, the original series, would be a favorite as well. Sorry, wrong answer. (laughs) Nothing could be further from the truth. I cannot remember a series where so much promise and so much, dare I say, brilliance turned into a complete and utter pile of horse beep in the very next book. Actually, I must apologize to horse fecal matter. It doesn't (laughs) deserve to be compared to Dude Messiah. Do yourself a favor. Read Dune. Stay away from all the other Dune books especially those made by his son, Brian Herbert. Oh, oh. this wasn't this even involved, Brian. He just <laughs> drug him in. He just drug him right in there. He's oh, not the man. only one either. Oh, Jim, man. any thoughts on this? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, comparing 
all the everything except for Dune to yeah. Horse Pucky. I, yeah. I I can't I I don't know. Yeah, I can't agree with that, of course, because I do love these books. Um, I don't know. It's a little harsh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, these are all one star reviews. Uh, Christopher writes, this remains my least favorite of Frank Herbert's Dune books. Just to be clear, I'm not including the debacle of the Fry, the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books in this statement. The introduction by Brian Herbert is very defensive about how people dislike this book because it discredits the Messiah figure of Paul. I have no problem with discrediting Paul whatsoever. What makes this book suffer is that it's about 5% plot and 95% plotting and boring philosophical discussion. In the same introduction, this book is explained as the necessary bridge between Dune and Children of Dune, which I disagree with strongly. This entire novel could have been condensed into a few pages of Irulean history at the beginning of Children of Dune, and that would have served much better. Thankfully, the series improves from here, with the exception of those by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Atrocities. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They, oh, this poor See, they guy. Keep, they, 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 they cannot bringing, get a break. They can't. I'll tell they you can. what. Uh, I, I think that he's, in some ways, he's right. But I almost view this and as maybe Frank didn't know. We'll have to ask. Maybe he didn't know where he wanted to go. And this was just like... I didn't, didn't Brian talk about this in the interview a little bit? I can't I remember. Uh, man, I have to go back and re-listen to it. But yeah. Thoughts, yeah. Jim? Well, you know something? Uh, there's going to be people who dislike things. When I look at the reviews on Goodreads, which I haven't done recently, but it, they're usually the reviews for... Uh, Brian and Kevin's books are most generally 85% positive. Yes. Well, and I would so, say the same for Messiah here. Mm-hmm. Same for Doom Messiah. True. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, I don't know. Uh, now we're trashing Frank Herbert too. And, <laughs> and just, you know, there's going to be people out there. You just cannot please. Uh, well, it, on uh, the one comment though, uh, when they start talking about philosophy. And, yeah, these books are very philosophical. They're intended to make people think. Yeah, That's what philosophy yeah. is about. It's about thinking. So, you know, if you don't want to think, don't read it. You know, go yeah. go pick up uh, go pick up some other fluff. Go, go, go get, um, oh, what do you call it, the Twilight series or something. Then you don't have to think. They'll do all your thinking for you. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, Matthias said here in the uh, in the chat. He says Dune was a hero story. Messiah was the opposite. The dangers of following a character uh, charismatic charismatic leader. Frank was making a, a point, but maybe he failed to get it across in a good way. Yeah. You know, I remember what Brian said when we interviewed him, uh, Brian, because we're on a first name basis. Uh, uh, but he said, you know, even his father couldn't measure up to Dune. Yeah. So no matter, in some way, while I agree that the book, that there are points in the book as far as the way the plot moves forward that aren't as strong as a lot of the other Dune books I've read so far. That almost nothing that Frank would have done to follow up with Dune would have matched Dune. Mm-hmm. And so I well, think there's that know, part of it. You know, and, and, and I can understand 
why Brian said that. Let's take a look at Richard Wagner, who was an absolute horrible person, but the music was incredible that he composed. Beethoven oh, yeah. had a had a great many problems. And again, another, you know, awesome, awesome music. The best in the world. There's a lot of precedent for that in history where the works speak louder than the people. Hmm. Very true. Very hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, two more bad reviews I'm going to read, and then we uh, can begin to wrap up the show, if that's good. Cool. All right. So this next one is from Aaron. First Dune book was a page-turner in spite of its flaws. I actually There were flaws in Dune? Okay. <laughs> no, I actually stayed up late on a couple of occasions because I couldn't put it down. Dune Messiah builds on all the weaknesses of Dune and discards everything that made his first book interesting. About halfway through, I wanted to just stop reading and find out how the book ends by looking it up on Wikipedia. That desire persisted even up to the end of the book. Save yourself the effort and steer clear of Dune Messiah. I doubt I'll ever be desperate enough to read the next book in the Dune series. I would recommend this story to Frank Herbert and anyone else on death row. People who truly deserve this type of punishment. What? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Wow. Yeah. Death row. I, I'd recommend this book to only to the person who wrote it. That's right. <laughs> and people who are going to die. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Hell, wow. All right, one more. And this one's from Thomas. And he actually, this is a part of a longer review. And so I excerpted it. And um, he was writing for a website. And I forget, some sci-fi review website. It says this. Dune Messiah is, a much shorter, is much shorter than Dune, at times brisker. But its narrative often meanders in the way Dune never did. The actors in the conspiracy are at cross purposes in many ways, which will help Paul outmaneuver them, yet at times it's hard to make sense of their actions. Most of the clear motivations come from the Bene Gesserit, who are determined to recover genetic lines lost through the selective breeding program when Paul, after becoming the Kuzak's Haderach, immediately became their enemy and took the Fremen girl of Cheney as his true wife. Paul tries to cut a deal with them, mostly to save Cheney's life, as she's a, a ben, in the Bene Gesserit's crosshairs, by which he will agree to bear the child with Aurelian, herself a Bene Gesserit, but only through artificial insemination, and the child will not be named heir to the throne. Meanwhile, among the conspirators are another new order, the Bene Tlaxu, who have come, who have some pretty incredible talents of their own. Their plan involves being called, uh, a being called Agola, named Hate, who is in fact the revived Duncan Idaho, killed defending Paul of Dune. There's also the Talaxu face dancer name, what's well, a uh, Skytail, who can alter his appearance to that of anyone and intends to infiltrate Paul's household in that way. There are just heaps and heaps of plot here, but far too much for the book, and the telling is simply dull. It would be nice to know a bit more about how the universe changed in the intervening 12 years. How did the Bennett's locks who arise, let alone develop the skills to raise the dead and create face dancers? Missing pieces like this led to the publication in 2008 of Paul of Dune, which filled the gap between the books. Skytail at one point even mentions as casually as you might have mentioned having a baked cake, that the and Tlaxu have bred their own Kwisatz Haderach. But nothing is made of this in the story. Mostly the problem with Dune Messiah is that we have a much weaker connection to the characters. The only real interesting people here are Paul's sister, now a teenage Aaliyah, and hate Duncan Idaho clone who wrestles with his identity and memories. 
and far less of stake in the outcome, which seems inevitable anyways. It isn't until we near the climax that Herbert reawakens some of his storytelling mojo and brings to the book something of an emotionally stirring conclusion, with a haunting final image of Paul walking alone into the deep desert. On that image, Herbert might have well be well advised to bring the saga to a close, but you can't keep a good god down. Nor would it seem a lucrative publishing juggernaut. <laughs> so, not totally negative, but he's kind of uh, saying there are some problems with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I, he gave this two stars out of five. By I right. think he was. Kind of, I agreed with some of the things he was saying. So, yeah. you gave you you agreed with the two star reviews so. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Any thoughts on what he said, Jim? Uh, not really. I I. Yeah think he was uh quite fair he found some things he liked and some things he didn't like yeah okay. yeah yeah well i think that about does it we, yeah. we do we have anything else we need to do that's what, that is that's it yeah, right it brings us to the end uh we want to thank everyone for listening thank you for sending in all this great great oh, yes. feedback great great uh, and uh oh, thank yeah. you to the chat room for joining us and sticking with us here tonight and dialoguing have some great conversations on their own yeah yeah i looked over a couple times and i was like i can't even follow because i have to concentrate on what we're yeah, doing yeah there were some parts <laughs> that just made me laugh <laughs> yeah um i'll have to go back and read it uh if you want to be a part of that conversation, dunesagapodcast.com slash live is where you can join the chat room uh, when we're recording. And the, the dates and time was located on the main page uh, on the side there, the calendar. Uh, if you want to contribute your thoughts, there are several ways that you can do that. You can email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at dunesagapodcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast. And if you want to be... Uh, one of the great people who sends us voicemails, you can do so by either emailing it directly as an MP3 file or calling our voicemail line, which is one two six zero five seven seven chat. That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. And if you don't want to remember that number, you can download the Zogpod Collective app, which we are a part of. Yep, which yep. we are a part of. And right in there, you'll find the. Uh, you can just click a button and your phone will dial right into the to the hotline and you can leave your voicemail there. Um, also, if you feel like contributing uh, financially to the show, you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast or follow the links on our page. Uh, and you can uh, see many different kinds of perks that you could be a part of there uh, if you decide to, to be a part of that. So, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I am Scott Hertzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood, and may Shai Halud clear the path before you. <laughs> <laughs>